0: Welcome to the Grace Avenue Church podcast where we believe that the grace of God is yours to live It is our prayer that this message will help you experience God's freedom Live your potential and make the impact you were created for Now here's the message I was putting some stuff together here and This last week I was thinking, you know, how do you how do you end? a year like this Which is the beginning of a a new decade that so many were hopeful for so, um Today's message is going to be, um, I guess the best way to say it is, the opposite of what you see experiencing in the world. Uh, In the world, you see chaos and confusion and fear and anxiety and uncontrollable situations and uncontrollable circumstances and doubts. Uh, Did I say anxieties? Anxieties. You name it. Um, But today, I'm going to talk about peace. The peace that Jesus gives us, the peace that Jesus offers. Obviously, this year, when you think about this year, uh, anything that could, you know, be shaken was shaken. And what we saw collectively, as individuals, as the church, for our city, for the nation, and across the world, is at the same time, all of us together saw many, many things destabilized: the economy, politics, racial tension, um, schools, our rhythms. Anything that you could see that kind of just had an even, even keel to it was disrupted and destabilized. And this is something obviously I'm not. You you weren't living in a cave. You saw all this. You experienced all this. Uh, and that's why what I'm speaking on today, I believe either really speaks to this, uh, or it's offensive to you. And I'm I'm praying it really speaks to you. Let's go to the word this morning. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. So here's the Apostle Paul instructing us for something and in something that's so critical to our everyday lives. Critical to the state of our heart, critical to the state of our mind, critical to the way we lead our families, lead our life, lead our job, look into the next season, lead our finances. It's critical, he's saying here, to let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Since as members of one body, we're all the body of Christ, we were called to peace. Think about that. God called you to peace. He didn't call you chaos. God called you to peace. He didn't call you to confusion. God called you to peace, and he says, and be thankful. Now, let's ask why. Why are we called to let the peace of Jesus Christ rule in our hearts? Well, think about it like this. Pretty much every day from the time you get up to the time you go to bed, there's something in this world that's making its attempt at undermining the peace of God in your life. From the most superficial things, of, you know, traffic and they forgot to put the sugar in your coffee or the creamer in your coffee, didn't put, didn't put the hot sauce in the taco bag to those are the superficial silly things to all the way to, uh, the things that are just heavy in life. All the things that we're experiencing in the world. Those things, that lack of peace is, is aiming for our heart, our spirit to disrupt our peace and to get us living in the flow of the chaos and the confusion and the anxiety and the fear of this world. So when we turn on the news or when we open the news feed, has there ever been a time in your life where you just saw a whole day of good news? Of course not. The world is in chaos. The world is in confusion. The world is full of all kinds of stuff. Uh, And that world is making its attempt at becoming the rule of your heart and the rule of your spirit. Uh, This is why we're told to live in the world but not of the world. We exist in this world. So if you think about it, Christ is saying there's an alternate reality that you and I are living in as Christians, as the kingdom of God. We're living in this world, but we're not living of this world. It's reality, but it's an alternate reality. Are you following me? So now we know that because we we see how the world has its pull on us, temptations, greed, lust, uh, sinfulness, you know, living with secrets, uh, stress, hopelessness, hatred, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, pride, fear. All of these things, like they have a bullseye for your heart. And they show up, you know, one goes away, another one shows up. That one goes away, that one shows up. You pray with someone about that church, at church you feel, you feel at peace, you're walking in that, something else shows up. Because the world is always making an attempt to undermine the peace that God has established. Look, you ever you ever work in a garden? Um, if you work outside, you, you pull weeds from the garden. You lay down some of the black mat. You put some mulch on top of it. It looks really clean. It looks really nice. You plant some flowers that are going to die from the Texas heat in two months anyway. And you wasted all that money. But nevertheless, it looked good for a little bit. You sit there. you You experience that. Then you walk away for two months. You come back, and weeds have busted through. Some have even, if you leave it for for a season or maybe go for a year, have choked out or tried to choke out a rose bush, something that's so strong and can last through the winter. It's been choked out and wrapped around by weeds. This is the same with our heart. You start living life, you get some peace about something, you start living that out, you start walking that out, and the weeds start coming after The thing that God has planted, the thing that God is growing. After a year like this, ask yourself what weeds have grown up in the garden of your heart? What weeds have grown up and are trying to take over your peace? Trying to take over what God has already settled in you, what God has already established. Have you looked after the garden of your own heart? After the weeds of 2020 have come and tried to choke out your peace? Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Why? Again, something's always trying to make its home in our heart. This is part of why we're we're told in Proverbs, guard your heart for out of it flow all the issues of life. It determines the course of your life. It's, It's a wellspring. What's going on on the inside? is the wellspring it's it's pointing the direction towards what is next in your life. A lot of people say well wait for the economy to see what's next in your life. No what, what the Bible teaches this is opposite. It's what's going on on the inside that determines the course of our life. You may get all the money you need for 2021 and you're still messed up on the inside. So what was determining the course of your life was not the money that you got but what happened when you got the money because what was going on on the inside was choked out. Life was choked out. You couldn't see, you couldn't Think your way clearly in this. So in some ways what I'm saying is if you don't spend some of this time at the end of the year pulling some weeds uh, next year, it's, it's not going to be new year, new me. It's going to be new year, same you. And those weeds will continue to grow and grow and tighten their grip and wrap around the thing, the peace that God wants to establish. Jesus says this in John 14. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not the peace that the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So Jesus is telling us that, that in him, and he's telling us that through him, peace has come. And that that peace has come in him and through him, and that that peace he leaves to us, and that peace he actually gives to us. That gift of his peace is something that we walk in and walk with daily. Daily. It's not dependent on the economy, or traffic, or the bank account, or what we lose or what we gain, that there's something found in him that we can't get anywhere else, this side of eternity. See, when we think of peace, we tend to think of the absence of conflict, or the removal of difficulty from our lives, or the removal of of trouble from our lives. Or we think it's listening to the ocean or sitting on a mountaintop or watching the sunrise or the kids getting out of your hair for a few hours. And that is peaceful. Can I get an amen for that? Right? But those are external, tangible, temporal forms of peace that we reach for. And we can hang on to that. Those are peaceful feelings. That doesn't mean it's established peace in our life. And Jesus here in this verse is telling us, there's something, he says, let not your hearts be troubled and don't let them be afraid. He's saying there's a peace I can give you that can withstand trouble and fear. Trouble has come to every single person in their lifetime that's sitting here today. Trouble has come your way. And fear has come to every single person sitting here today. He's saying there's a peace we can have that can outlast The trouble and the fear. As a Christian, that peace of God, it's always under attack from something else. It's always something else trying to choke it out. Something else is trying to make its home in your heart. That's the best way I can describe it. God says, here's your peace. I leave it with you. I give it to you. This is something that the world can't give. It's something that the world does not give. And something's coming for that peace. Now, when we were saved, we inherited all these promises from God. We inherited God's righteousness. We, We got God's grace. We got God's mercy. We got his love. We got his acceptance. We got all these things from God. But with that that inheritance came enemies of those things from God. So when I get mercy from God and and grace from God, there's condemnation coming for me. When I get total forgiveness from God, there's something trying to remind me of my past. When I get acceptance from God, there's rejection of the world. Are, Are you following me this morning? And so so think about it like this. After before you were saved, when you were saved, um let's say it like this. Before you were saved, you were kind of at war with God. Not kind of, you were. There's God's holiness, there's God's purpose, there's God's righteousness, there's God's purpose and desire for your life. You were at war with that. You resisted that. We all we all think we know better than God. We we all think we know better than Jesus, you know, he he loves me, he understands, right? We all say that about whatever We're doing in life that we think he would understand when he's calling us to repent. And we just, we're at war with God's holiness, righteousness, salvation, his calling, his purpose. We're at war with that. We live that way. Then when we're saved, we're no longer at war with God. In fact, we're at peace with God. We have all of God's peace, all of God's acceptance, all of God's love. He doesn't hold back love. He gives us all of his love. He doesn't say, well, I accept you, but there's about five things in you that I can't stand, so I just can't accept you right now. That's the craziness of God's love. He accepts us. Even in our sin, he accepts us, yet still calls us to repent. He doesn't reject his love and dispose of his love, but he does call us to live like him. And he loves us in spite of it. And that's the beauty, which means that doesn't mean there's license to sin. That means there's opportunity to love God wholeheartedly with my full being. Now, after you were saved, you were no longer at war with God, you were at war with the world, at war with temptation, at war with struggles, (laughs) at war with your mind being in this world but not of this world, at war. Now, you take a year like this in 2020 and everything that's happened, it's no wonder people feel hopeless because there's nothing peaceful going on in the world. There's nothing that people can put their finger on that they can guarantee what the next three months is gonna look like in pretty much any area of their life. And I don't know of a time that's ever been like this, at least in my lifetime, where we can say that as a nation. So it's no wonder that addiction is up, suicide is up, hopelessness is up, marriages are breaking apart at a record rate, families are dissolving, family lawyers are banking right now. No joke, family lawyers are banking. They can't see everybody they need to see because families are unraveling. Why? Because people don't have the peace that holds them together through turmoil. Tension comes and the rope breaks, the chain breaks, the link breaks. What held them together was a job. What held them together was certainty of what's happening next year. What held them together was income. What held them together was something other than the peace that God gives So I believe God's calling us in this season not, not to work harder, not to, to try and have more faith, which is a lot of the things that we try to put to language at the end of a year is what we're shooting for next year, new year, new me, and all of those things. And, and I understand where people are coming from, but what I'm trying to say is he's calling us back to a peace that he gives, to exit this year and enter the next year with a peace that's found in him, in him alone. Remember, he said, this is not the peace that the world gives. This is not a peace that comes from circumstances. This is not a peace that comes from things going the way you thought they would. This is not peace in someone else or a relationship or something else working out. This is peace in Jesus Christ. See, the world gives us counterfeit peace. And we settle for that. We settle for it. We settle for a peace in circumstances, which are things that can be taken away. We settle for peace in circumstances and situations that can change. But things change. And if peace is attached to circumstances, if peace is is attached to something that can change, if peace is attached to predictability, well, what I can calculate for the next two months or the next thing, yes, but but, but what if you can't? (laughs) See, those are the realities we tend to live in. We tend to live in, well, this works out. Everything's going to be okay. But what if it doesn't work out? Well, once this relationship and all this, this stuff, you know, settles down and, and 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 the complexities of this relationship, and we're not fighting anymore, or the kids are doing well, or the yeah, yeah. But what if what if it's not going that way? How long do we live in that unhealthy place? See, the world points us to feelings, circumstances, experience, situation. All of these things externally, that once those work out, they'll bring us a sense of completion, wholeness, and peace. Jesus doesn't point to any of those things. He points to himself. In essence, what he's saying is peace is a person. And that peace I leave with you and that peace I give to you. Proverbs 12 says, worry weighs a person down. Worry weighs a person down. We lose a sense of peace when we let worry guide our thoughts. We lose a sense of peace when we let worry guide our thoughts. Years ago, I was in Bible college. I was living in Australia at the time, and I was living in a house. that was about, I don't know, I think about 20, 20 minutes outside of the from where I went to college. And the reason I was living in this house, because there was a man who had uh, been battling cancer for a couple of years, and he'd basically reached the, the end of his life. He was a businessman, wealthy, successful businessman, and... Um, basically was just a savage business guy. <laughs> Cutting throats, slicing and dicing, going all about life, didn't really care about anybody and everybody but the bottom dollar, has cancer. They call him one night in the hospital after the treatment, they've done all the treatments and they basically told him, look, you need to call your family. This is, this is your last night, your body's failing. You need to call your family, this is it. This is after the treatments had failed, nothing was working. He calls a pastor from the church. One of the pastors comes, lays hands on him praise for him. And I know who this pastor was. He was an incredible man. Um, prays for him, lays hands on him. And the next morning, the doctors are speechless. Nurses are speechless. You know, your, your body's turning around. Now, obviously, we want you to stay. We want you to stay and see things through. He was like, nope, I'm healed. I'm out of here. <laughs> he literally was like that, like, sir, you really need to continue treatment. He's like, nope, I know I'm healed. I'm out. He got saved through that experience, through that experience, and this was 27 years ago, it's around 95, I met him in the late 90s, so this had already happened. He's still alive today, I was texting him yesterday. He's he's walking this out, he's he's gotten saved uh, throughout this time over the last 30 years, he's built orphanages in some of the most remote places, um, he's uh, built schools, uh, I'm talking about in third world, remote, total primitive places. He's putting, finance, he's raising up money for all kinds of things. So he's, he's an incredible person. I was living in a house that he had. He had several houses, but I was living in one of them. One of them was a three-bedroom, two-bath house. I got to live there rent-free. It was his gift to the church and the college saying, if any student comes over and uh, needs a place to stay, they can stay here. And I needed a place to stay. And he says, you can stay here rent-free. That's a pretty good deal, huh? So I lived there for two years. So I'm in his house, living there. Been there about six months. Getting up in the morning, multitasking as we all do. Took a pot that I was going to buy. I was going to make something, probably some oatmeal or something. Put the pot on the stove, turn the heat up to high, turn the boiler on the uh, tea kettle because I was going to pour the boiling water into the boiling pot, and I was going to save myself three minutes because I don't want to wait for this to heat up. So that makes sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to you. But I took, and I, so I turned the key tea kettle on. Somehow I turned the heat on and got sidetracked and left the house. Got to school, did school, came back, just whistling all the way back home. How you doing? Oh, it's the buddy of mine that was staying with me. Hey, what's going on? He's like, What did you do? I said, What happened? Do you know what you've done to the house? I said, What? He took me inside of the kitchen and I saw there was smoke damage all over the kitchen. The stove was melted. The pot, the bottom of the pot had lifted off from its base and just basically popped. He said, I came in here. There was smoke everywhere. There were metal chunks flying all over the kitchen. We had wood floors. It messed up the floor. It messed up all this thing. And he's like, Peter's going to be irate. And the anxiety set in. (laughs) The worst of the worst. I realized um, I'd taken a good situation, and I'd blown it. I really messed it up. I didn't have thousands of dollars to to repair any type of anything, much less buy a stove. I couldn't even buy the pot that I ruined. (laughs) Peter comes in because he would stay there about two days a week and then he'd go to his home in the city where he would do business in Sydney in the metropolitan area. Then he would come out back to this place he would stay. He shows up, he walks in the door, and uh, I'm following him, and as I'm following him, I'm trying to like follow him to the place he's about to see before he goes like, oh my God, what happened? So I'm following him and saying, hey, before you walk in the kitchen, I, I just want to let you know there was a little accident, and uh, I apologize, and I start to tell him the story, and he just like, he's listening to me talking. he sees it, and he's just looking at it. And these are his words. All right, was everybody okay? It's like, yeah. He's like, all right, we'll, we'll call, call somebody on Monday and we'll get it all fixed up. He just walked away. Now, some of you may say, well, he's wealthy, Daniel. Of course he said that. That's not the case. Peter had a peace that I didn't have. Worry and anxiety ruled my heart for days before he got there about his response to what I'd ruined. But for Peter, and this wasn't the first time, there were many situations like this (laughs) where I messed up his house. (laughs) The first one was, since we're just, I didn't tell this in the first service, since this is the last message of the year, I'll confess this before God and before my church. He said, I need to get the house painted. I bought the paint, the painters are gonna come. I said, don't worry about it, man, I got this. So I took a paintbrush, And I thought, when am I going to get a chance to paint on a wide open wall and basically be like an artist and paint some of my favorite logos and all these kinds of things, like some of my favorite artwork from albums? So I did it not knowing that Peter would come back three days early and see that and walk in and go, he's on the phone with somebody. And he walks in and I just remember, I'm sitting on the couch not thinking this is a big deal. Because I'll just paint over it, but as you know, you can't just paint over something. Like I didn't know that then; I know that now. Because you leave all the marks, right? And he's like, uh, uh, "Stephen, hold hold on a second. Someone's graffitied the house." So no, I, I'll have to call you back. So someone's someone's vandalized and graffitied the house. And I remember, like, I, I, you know that feeling when you know you're in trouble. That, that fear just rose up on me and thought, oh, I'm, I'm screwed, I'm screwed. So that's just the only other story I'm going to tell you. The others are between me and the Lord Jesus Christ and his forgiveness. But what I'm saying is, worry weighs a person down. And Peter had a peace because of his healing, his total healing from cancer. Not only caused him to serve the Lord, he walked with that peace in his daily life. Don't get me wrong. He's still a savage businessman. He takes care of business. But when it came to what's really important, he wasn't going to let it take his peace. Why? Because when you've been through some battles, you know how to handle your peace. You know how to hold on to your peace. We lose a sense of peace when we live with worry. We lose a sense of peace when we live with unforgiveness. I want to read you something. Studies of found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health, lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels, and sleep, and reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. Research points to an increase in the forgiveness-health connection as you age. There's an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed, says Karen Swartz, MD, director of the Mood Disorders Adult Consultational Clinic at St. John's the johns i 'm sorry the johns uh, Hopkins Hospital chronic anger puts you in a fight or flight mode. Let me read that again. chronic anger puts you in a fight or flight mode which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, immune response. Those changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, and diabetes among other conditions. Forgiveness, however, calms stress levels leading to improved health. The medical community is revealing. All these connections between forgiveness and health and stress and health and anxiety and health. And so some of us are looking for peace in other people. We're looking for peace in flawed, imperfect people. Or we're looking for peace in a position in life. When when this happens, then I'll have that position in life. Things will be different. Things will shift, then I'll have peace. Or So we're looking for it in a state um, or a circumstance, or we're looking for it maybe even in our purpose, when I figure out what I'm going to do, when I know what I'm created for, rather than finding it in the creator, not just his creation. So what, I, what I'm asking you to do this morning is ask yourself, what, what pattern have you maybe developed or maybe even put fast forward on and, and, and just... Move this baby forward when it comes to your own peace. Has it been this year a place I'm going to get to, which is someday? The someday syndrome. When I get there, when we get there, when the kids are there, when the finances are there, then I'm going to be able to live in peace. What if it doesn't happen? I'm not trying to be a downer, but what if it doesn't happen, right? Is it a process you must walk through? In other words you're going through stuff and when when this is all settled then i'm going to live in peace is it a position that you have to find yourself in circumstances well and you know when when this situation is then when that situation changes then i'll be okay or is it a person jesus who says my peace i leave with you my peace i give to you c.s. lewis the great writer said God cannot give us a happiness and a peace apart from himself because it's not there. There's no such thing. Jesus gives us a peace that can only be found in him. And here's the thing. He says, those who belong to me, they know me. Here, follow me. Stay with me on this. Those who are mine, they know me. They hear me. They follow me. No one can take them from my hand. Which means the enemy can throw anything and everything at you. Life can throw anything and everything at you, yet you cannot be removed from God's hand because you know him, you love him, and you follow him. And with that comes a peace. There's a peace. Can you see and can you find the peace that only comes in and through Jesus? Something that can't be taken away. So three things to aim for as we close. I want to close with this. Three things to aim for as you close this year and enter into a new year. Number one, aim for peace with God. Check the weeds that have grown up in the garden. Stress, bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, anxieties, depression. These things have choked out peace. Now you can pull the weeds or you can let the weeds take over if you aim for peace with God, you have to remember, it starts with peace with God. When you have peace with God, then you can have the peace of God. The peace of God doesn't come until we have peace with God. In Romans, how do we have, how do we know we have peace with God? Romans 5.1, therefore, since we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God. Because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Here's another version of it. Because of Christ's sacrifice, we are restored to a relationship of peace with God. Which means that if you've lost it, you can get it back. Because Christ has given it. And what he gives, he doesn't take away. Titus chapter 2 says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people and we're instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures, we should, li- we should live in this world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. It's hard to live with God's peace when you invite unrighteousness into your life, when you invite sin into your life. I mean, if every social media app doesn't make it easier, there are more and more secret conversations you can have. Facebook, secret conversation. Instagram, Y'all thought I didn't know about that, did you? You're like, he's too old. How does he know about that? I know it all. I'm teasing you. But it gets harder and harder to live a double life. If you tempt temptation, you lose. Have you figured that out by now? If you tempt temptation, you lose. You don't win. You lose every time. You lose with guilt, you lose with sorrow, you lose with shame, and you you grow seeds of disconnection and discontent rather than sow seeds of righteousness and trust and peace. And that's why he says in Titus, we're instructed to turn from, to turn away from godless living. That will bring a peace that passes all understanding. At some point, you have to be tired of living with guilt and turn. At some point, you have to be tired of living a double life in an area and just turn towards God. This is helping you this morning. Number two, aim for peace with others. Aim for peace with others. Romans chapter 12 says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Look, this is not a Hallmark movie. Things don't always end At the end of the movie, I don't watch those, so I don't know how they end. I'm assuming because it's Hallmark, it's gonna end nice and cheesy and lovey-dovey, all right? But life does not work that way. Relationships are complex. Family dynamics are complex. Marriage and relationships and getting to understand one another. You know, the dynamics of, of the interplay of conversation between people and what you said and what I thought you meant and somebody's tone and all. Look, all of that is complex. And we're instructed to, as far as it depends on us, our part, as far as it depends on my responsibility, live peaceably with all. In other words, try and do my part from that place of peace with Christ to offer that same peace to people. To not be the pot stirrer. To not be the one who throws the bait. To not be the one who's always reacting. To not be the one that has a grudge and is ready to say something. Oh, I know I'm helping people around the holidays right now. You don't have to say amen, but that's okay. You can just say it in your heart. God hears it. Last one, number three, aim for peace for your future. Aim for peace. Not anxiety, not worry, not stress. Worry is the enemy of peace. Everybody say this with me. Worry is the enemy of peace. Worry is the enemy of peace. Anxious thoughts can come under the rule of peace. Fearful thoughts can come under the rule of peace. Some of you may have to work harder than others to overcome some of the effects of this year. The different things have happened to you than maybe the person you're sitting next to or maybe the person listening today. But what I'm saying is don't let anxiety devour the peace that Jesus really gave you, the peace that's found in Him. I'm going to close with this quote by a very, very wise, knowledgeable pastor. His name is Daniel. It says, The peace of God comes to us when we have peace with God. And peace with God only comes when we allow the Prince of Peace to be our peace. Would you bow your heads this morning? The peace of God comes to us when we have peace with God. And peace with God only comes when we allow the Prince of Peace to be our peace. Something has tried to make its home in your heart this year to choke out the life like the garden I talked about. The weeds choking out the life of what is right and what is true, what is holy, what is righteous, what is established, what is filled with grace, what is full of God's love. The weeds have come to choke that out But God has restored us, like I said in Romans, he's restored us to relationship with Christ. He's restored peace to us. So I'm asking you to take it back. I'm asking you to take the peace that Jesus gave you back from the enemy's hands, back from deception, back from the lies, back from the mistruth, back from anger, back from bitterness. Take it away from the enemy. And know that God's peace holds you and can't hold you. Lord Jesus, we rejoice today in the fact that you give us peace that doesn't come from our circumstances. Today we set our sights on you. We fix our eyes on you. And the the peace that we have with you, the peace we have because of your love and your grace and your sacrifice. God, today, where people need to make things right, Stir their heart to make things right so that they have peace with you. And Lord, let them know that when they have peace with God, they can have and carry and live in and from the peace of God. God, strengthen others to have peace with people. But as far as it depends on them, they'll live from that peace. And lastly, God, as we head into a new year. May people have the peace that passes all understanding when it comes to the future. What's uncertain, what's known, and what's unknown. God, today I speak peace and life over all of your people today. The Bible says that if any person wants to have that peace with God, come into a relationship with God, be saved, Jesus tells us it's available through him through his sacrifice on the cross through receiving the gift of grace that God gives through his sacrifice that's not dependent on your behavior, it's not dependent on your status in life it's not dependent on the good record or the bad record that you've kept God's not keeping a scorecard God sees you as a son or a daughter that he wants to bring home. So this morning, as I pray, if this is you this morning and you know your life is not at peace with God, you know you don't have the peace of God, but you know you're not at peace with God, then pray with me just as I close here. Just pray this with me. Everybody's saying this together. Say, Lord Jesus, today I receive your peace and I make my peace with you. I ask for your forgiveness for turning away from you, for disconnecting from you. I ask that your Holy Spirit guides me and thank you for my salvation. I receive what you did on the cross over my life. And I receive forgiveness and grace and a new beginning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Come on, let's give God a hand this morning. You know, as we... As we close out this year, how uh, you guys can stand up? Why don't you stretch it out? Um, as we close this year, we're heading into a new year. Obviously, heading into January, and I want to put a word in your your head, a word in your heart, a word in your mind as we leave this year and go into the next year. And it's the word builder. To think of yourself as a builder. Know anytime you enter a structure, a stadium, a concert venue, a restaurant, a church somebody built it somebody put their hand to the plow and made something happen and we've been positioned in this generation to build god's kingdom we're not just building our own goals and dreams we're building what's closest to the heart of god jesus said i will build my church and so if jesus is building his church that's what i want to be building so the kingdom of god is here It's that reality that we live in. So I want to encourage you as you're thinking about exiting this year. Think about building in 2021. I know the world's going to talk about loss and fear and confusion, but I want to tell you the kingdom of God has withstood a lot since Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead. Wars and famines and tensions, all kinds of craziness. Yet the church of Jesus Christ still stands strong. Somebody in every generation decided to say, I'm going to be a builder. I'm going to be a builder. Dreams and goals die with us, and we pass whatever we can on to whoever. But the kingdom of God, we don't just pass on to our family, we pass on to another generation. And I want you to think as you're entering this year, God, what would you have me to build? How would you have me to build? Two ways to figure out where you're building, how you're building, where are you serving. And where are you giving? What does it look like out of your life to contribute, to serve, to help, to give of your life, of your finances, of your resources, of your talents, to think beyond what am I getting for 2021? What do I want from 2021? And switch to what would God have me to build? I have a series I'm going to be starting in January, some things I'm going to be talking about. And I can't wait to share those with you. But I wanted to leave you with that thought And just say, God bless you as you exit this year. Happy New Year. I love you. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I love you. Even if they're a stranger, just say, I love you. Ask them if you can borrow $20. Just ask them, I love you, can I borrow $20? If they say no, just say, I'm going to pray for your heart. God's going to make you more generous this year. I love you guys. We'll see you next Sunday. God bless you. Happy New Year. If you would like the most up-to-date information about Grace Avenue Church or you are looking for a way to support this ministry, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening.